Hello, everybody. You're very welcome to the Open Training College podcast series. My name is Neve McAvoy, and today I will be talking to Alison Caldwell from the Dundalk Simon community, and we will be talking about some of the key issues faced by homeless individuals in Ireland today, and also we'll be looking at the role of the social care worker in this sector. So, Alison, can I just ask you to first of all give our listeners an overview of your service, your client group, and how your service users may come to use your service, please? So in the dog signing community, we have two different services running in the one hostel. So we have what we call a STA, which is a short-term accommodation, and then we have a TEA, which is a temporary emergency accommodation. So one uh, is a three-month placement and one is a six-month placement. So the three-month placement is uh, usually for um, to get someone more stabilised who might be a bit chaotic um, with their drug use and things like that. And then... We will try and stabilise them through their key working process and then um, hopefully move them into the, the STA. So that's when they're a wee bit more stable and they're ready to engage fully with supports. So at that point, you would be then, you know, looking at move-ons, treatment options, different things like that. So we serve Calvin Monaghan and Loud. Um, a lot of people don't know that, but we do. We have two cabin beds. We have one Monaghan bed, and the remainder of our beds, the 28, are Loud County Council. Now, at the back then of our service, we have three um, uh, supportive accommodation units. So they're um, long-term supported. So the three individuals out there would have their own independence, but they can access on-site support in the hospital. So they can come in for their dinner, they can come in for a chat, they, need ha- they still have key working as well. So it's just someone who needs that extra support, support and who has tried to sustain independent living in the community but failed on a couple of different occasions. So then we also have our transitional housing. So the way our transitional housing then works in the community is the idea of our pathway out of homelessness with the dog sign community is that you do three months in the gatehouse service, which is your TEA. You have to do six months in your in the short-term accommodation service. And then ideally you would move on to private rented or what we call our transitional units. So our transitional units are um, communal living, but like it's in a two or three bed house, a smaller environment, just still getting the supports in there. So it's an 18-month placement. And then hopefully the idea would be from there then would be to move on to um, either local authority housing or HAP accommodation. And now, of course, we have people that move directly from the three-month placement into housing or we have people from the six month to move to housing or people going to treatment services. You know, it all depends on the need of the client. So the, the client how, how, how well they respond to, I suppose, the services and their own individual circumstances really dictate. Yeah, so, you know, it would depend on a number of factors. It's not just one thing that causes homelessness. It, t- it tends to be a number of things. So what we would see with the type of clients we work with would be that, um, you know, a tendency for addiction. Um, we would also have a tendency for people to maybe have mental health. Um, it would also be a tendency for people to have life experiences of possibly being abused. Um, also coming from disadvantaged areas like housing, council estates where there's poverty and social deprivation. And that's the kind of stereotypical homeless person. But in these times, 
since they've held the tiger, we've had another wave of clients. And the wave of clients that we've gotten since then is um, people losing jobs, uh, relationship breakdowns, uh, women aren't as dependent on men anymore. So they're choosing to say, uh, uh, get out, <laughs> get out, you know, and fair play to them. So it's changing times. You oh, it's know. not just the stereotypical person who has an addiction no. or comes No, it's not. Yeah. I would say probably 80% of our clients do, or they have a mental health problem, or they have a dual diagnosis. So the dual diagnosis piece would be where someone has a mental health problem, but they also have a met, uh, an addiction. And that is a huge block for us at present in trying to move people off because you want all the services to coordinate together to help meet that person's needs because they're complex individuals that need a lot of support and um, yeah is it a challenge to get the services to coordinate and to work together to support an individual who may have a number of stereotypical factors so say someone who experiences mental health problems and addiction issues and they come from a disadvantaged background for example is it um is it easier i suppose or do the services work well together or is it a challenge for people to get the help they need i suppose is the question really yeah well in philosophy and theory it's the best idea ever in playing it out it doesn't always work that way and i suppose the reasons for that being is there's such a stress or um, pressure on all services and demands and resource driven for us I can speak for the hostel and where we're coming from. We're operating on so much of a budget and then the rest is relying on donations, financial donations. We're not like big services um, you know, that get funding run the service. We we are we get so much funding from the local authorities and the HSE and then the remainder is reliant on um people's donations so like that would be our church gate collections that would be our um that would be our shop our charity shop but coming back to you know what works well what doesn't work well that there is a huge block for us because our key workers our support workers our people on the floor are drawn into other things and they can't give people the 100 percent attention that they deserve and they need because everything else needs to run. We're highly reliant on our CE and two staff. So they're um they're CE workers and that that we get in and who do a hell of a job and pay are only paid an additional twenty euro. I think um like the HSE is uh you know they're stretched, the council's stretched, you know, and the resources just aren't there or the resources are just not being put in the right places. Um I also think as well that uh, there's not an acknowledgement of the importance of these people, you know, like social care, the funding, in my opinion, and from what I can see, goes into disability, it goes into the elderly, it goes into child protection. Homeless people tend to be at the bottom of the list. And if the funding is, is quite limited and the resources are really stretched, what happens when the funding runs out? Or do people fall through the cracks? Do they not get the help that they need are they left on the sidelines or on the verges of society is, is that the reality for a lot of people who find themselves in a homeless situation 
it can be it can be yeah it can be like and and that's no fault at anyone it's just the way the system is like and unfortunately everyone's stretched and you know um you need a magician of someone who can tell who can put put that money there put that money there and then this will work all this can cohese together and work for the benefit of this person it sounds quite difficult it sounds like a difficult area to to work in i suppose if when resources are so stretched and you see people getting left behind or you see people who need help that you're not able to help because you haven't got the resources that seems like quite a challenge for a social care worker or anyone working in the service like in my opinion and the team that i work with are absolutely amazing for the social care worker you know for me you hear even in COVID now at the minute you hear about uh, our heroes and you know it's all in medical you know and no fault to doctors and nurses they are amazing people amazing people but i i think social care workers are on some heroes they're not giving as much credit as the men to work to do yes we not be like uh, medically trained there's a certain level of emotional intelligence that has to be operated to to work people and get people to buy into wanting to do better for themselves and that's where the social care worker comes in having that compassion that unconditional positive regard coming back to carol rogers of those theories the social care worker would learn throughout their practice yeah. this is where you get to apply it absolutely yeah you've covered a lot there in relation to how the individuals might come to the service and maybe some of the circumstances that lead a person to find themselves in a homeless situation what about some of the key issues that people face so things like poverty and social exclusion and marginalization how do you see the client group that you work with experiencing any or all of those issues there's a few blocks you know in terms of how they're treated by people they don't get the same romantic respect they don't get the nice smile or that it can be a kind of like look at them do you know what i mean they're, yeah. they're like they're the dark they're like look at them they're a waster they're just draining the resources of the country but little did they know that these people are actually have been very unfortunate on things that have happened do you know they don't get the bigger picture you know they just see the behavior they don't see what's behind the behavior and behind that behavior is a real person and that real person has a lot going on for them, do you know what i mean and i know everyone has their own thing going on but people are too quick to judge and that's a huge block would it be fair to say that joe public sees takes it at, at face value they see the homeless person and they make assumptions that maybe they're there because of their own fault or something else negative there's no there's a lack of empathy and a lack of understanding for hundred percent and that's the key role of the social worker coming back in again that you can give them that space to not feel judged to experience warmth and compassion from someone and being heard a lot of these people are never heard you know they're just considered and what happens then when someone hears that they hear it so much that you're no good you're a waste of space you'll never be anything it's internalized you know and it's like psychosomatic it's like when somebody tells you you're going to do something you're going to do it even though you, you know what i mean uh, subconsciously or yeah. someone thinking of you you subconsciously take that in and then act it out if that makes it's, sense it's a very good example actually of the pygmalion or the golem effects in action that you know if, if people treat you in, in a positive way you and they see your value and they see your worth you start to live that way and if it's a negative thing 
they, they also, like you say, they internalize it. Um, it's, yeah. it's, and it's important, I suppose, for the social care worker to be aware of that. Mm. Do you find that that comes out a lot in the work that you do with this particular kind group? That do they, uh, the people that you would work with, do they ever talk about how the public treat them or the lack of understanding or the lack of empathy that's out there? Do, does that ever come across in your work? Yeah, you do. And like, um, you know, like we would have various things said to us, you know, about members of the public of things that said to them, people's in authority, figures who have power and um, very demeaning. But then at the same time, those same people, it takes one of them to give them a positive comment. And it's like that um, unconditional positive regard, you know? Yeah. Um, Pavlov's theory that, you know, that like you give someone some, uh, no, it's not. I can't think of the theory anyway, but you can all look that up yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's about, you know, if you give someone that opportunity to be themselves, and you actually give them some positive feedback, like the strength perspective, I suppose, and you say, like, you're doing really well. That encourages someone, I want, I'm doing okay, I want to do, I want to even do better now, you know, that kind of way. Yeah, um, I think it's important for people to, to realise, I suppose, the power of a word, like one word can change a person's life, one sentence can, can turn things around for an individual. It can be just that one thing that someone says that makes you look at things maybe from a different perspective. And for the person experiencing homelessness, it might just be like you're saying, you know, you're doing well or well done or just one positive comment yeah. that helps you change the mindset to see themselves as a valued human being. And this is it, like communication and interpersonal skills are huge. So like the communication, you know, of, you know, tone, body language, you know, are so much the way you look at someone, you know, and it's very conscious as a social care worker that you become conscious of that and, and tuned into that. Because for me, that's something I've had to grow over the last 10 years as a social care professional. It's just, you know, being conscious, right? Oh, because these these people are not stupid we're dealing with like these people are smart you know like we can pick up on if you're in a bad mood if there's something going on and it's very important that when you go into that job you leave whatever you have at home you know and i know everyone has their personal life but this this is paid job you're coming in you leave your stuff at home and that's not always easy and at the same time it's not easy to leave to take not take it home with you and that's where boundaries are really, really important in social care and in homeless settings. That you set your boundaries as well in terms of, you know, of right, okay, what works for me? I'm going to have a chat with my colleague before I go off shift and this is going to be gone. You know, and then I think that's a very important point because particularly with, with your sector you will most likely be working with people who have difficult stories, difficult life yeah. stories they've had maybe a very hard experiences that for a social care worker or for anybody is hard to hear that you have yeah. that debriefing yeah. and I suppose it's important yeah. for any social care worker but some of the sectors are a little bit more challenging than others but yeah. it is very important that you have that debriefing session with a trusted colleague or manager or supervisor before you leave yeah the onus is on the social care work to ask for it as well don't expect that someone's just going to come in and rescue it for you either that's something I've learned that I need to be asking for my supervision. I need to be asking for a debrief. I need to be bringing my manager and saying, 
oh my god I'm just having a mad shift here and I, I would say social care is as challenging as any other job because you've, you're dealing with people overdosing you're dealing this is not to put anyone off right this doesn't happen on a daily basis but you're dealing with challenging situations you're people overdosing in service you're dealing with challenging sometimes violent behaviour that's not often but it can happen and you know it's very important self-care is huge in looking after yourself and that's something for me i've learned over the years you know you want to go in you want to save everyone you want to rescue you want to change the world it's not going to happen in a day you have to give yourself time but look after yourself because you're no good to anyone if you're well, not the first okay. person you have to start saving is yourself 100%. no and i'd be a huge advocate of, of self-care and, and looking yeah. after ourselves and being able to ask for help when you need it. It yeah. can be hard. For, some of us are better at it than others. Yeah. But being able to just turn around and say, look, this was a hard day. Can I just offload some of this onto you? Or can you hear me out or whatever? Just being able to have that conversation is so important because then you can park it and you can go home and go back to your family life or whatever life you have outside of the job and that's really important yeah. having a downtime as well so the debriefing or the asking for the supervision or checking in with your supervisor or even a colleague to, yeah. start with, to just to unwind or to debrief or to offload particularly if it's been a stressful day i think is really important for any social care worker regardless of whether you're new to the sector or you're there 20 or 30 years yeah. you, you all need to do that and I was lucky enough there recently I got to do training to uh, work as a psychological first aid and it's basically, I don't know if you've heard about it or that, but uh, it was amazing, like, you know, just, like, I've done this kind of training similar, but it was kind of a wee bit more in depth that about, you know, to be in tune that what might impact you might impact someone differently. So for me that's in the sector now 10 years, there's a lot of stuff that would go over the head. But for some people, they, they could be affected by something that you wouldn't find, you know. Our own, all, we all come to the job with our own set of, of skills and expertise, but we all have our own set of, I suppose, experiences and, and life experiences. And, and that combination is unique. So like you say you might not bat an eyelid at something happening but somebody new into the scene could get very upset or be very um be quite traumatized or maybe even quite angry by a particular situation that they're faced with so we all react differently yeah. I suppose. yeah I mean, someone years years as well it could be just this could be just the typical point and they're like i can't i can't and that's where burnout happens so it's very important that you know yeah, and not to have the expectation because someone senior than you isn't affected by things. Of course, they're affected by things. You know what I mean? They're not stone. They're not made of iron. This job will never make him of iron. If it does, then you shouldn't be in it anymore. <laughs> you know. <laughs> they're just the, the person who looks like they're not impacted by it is just hiding as well, I suppose. Really, yeah. they're, they're taking yeah. their stride yeah. a bit oh, more. Okay. Don't people don't need to be more you know self-aware as well yeah. and be in tune to themselves that if it's not coming out in work it's going to come out in other ways and that could be like again back to self-care be poor eating habits not exercising not looking after yourself you know? absolutely would you say that the client group that you work with would experience a lot of inequality and discrimination in their day-to-day -day life even before they come to the service 
when they're in the service and maybe afterwards when they move on to the transitional services and stuff is inequality and discrimination a big part and I suppose what could the social care worker do to help individuals with those? Yeah a huge one would be like you know um, for a lot of accommodation for securing accommodation you need a reference so yeah. the only reference they might have is us because they've never had you know especially a lot of young people so we would have a lot of under 25s you know, um, coming out of care, you know, and that, that's another client group that are coming out. And so, like, those young people have never rented a property, um, you know what I mean? And their only reference is maybe us. And, you know, they could be up against someone who is willing to pay cash um, and accept half, you know. And it's, a lot of the time it can be the luck of the draw for some people that someone's willing to take a chance with these people and give them the opportunity, you know. Um, and it's the few that mess it up that give a, give a bad rep to those that are willing to put in the effort and want to make a change in their lives. But I'd say for, in terms of discrimination, that's w- one sense. And see someone um, who maybe is on a, a methadone program, like, or, you know, has a mental health issue, it can be deemed like, oh, is this person capable of, you know, actually doing this job? You know, if someone was to be upfront and honest and actually say, look, I'm, I've got depression, I've got anxiety disorder, um, you know, that could go against them, you know? And I've seen it before, you know, where people are trying to be honest and it goes against them, you know? And that doesn't always happen all the time, but it takes one person, you That's know? And there's a lot of, I suppose misunderstanding out there in relation to mental health issues and homelessness and people mm. on the craft team and, and all all of the, the groups that you've talked about and the situations mm. that you've talked about. So I think really the there needs to be some sort of education program to educate people more or to inform people more. Yeah. And and I I definitely like when I did my uh, social care degree homelessness wasn't a big thing at the time there was no real homeless people to know like there probably was and I just didn't know about it but it wasn't hugely covered in my um in my, in my course but or addiction I think now it's an issue that's very prominent and I think the information needs to get out there to the young people from a young age that they're aware of this they're aware that these things can happen do you know and hopefully with some it might just string a chord you know because i think most people in ireland in some uh, level is affected by addiction or mental health but how the knock-on effect of that is that it could lead to homelessness yeah and i think there's because there's so many people homeless nowadays and mm. because um the the profile of the homeless person has changed hugely so we we no longer have as you said earlier just people who have addiction or mental health issues you now have homeless people who have lost their job and there's in every town in the country i'd say there's probably at least one person sleeping on the streets yeah or it's a relationship breakdown yeah there's there's so many reasons now it's not the stereotypical person no absolutely not of course there's behaviors there's usually something else going on you know, as well, for it to lead to that. Sometimes it's not. It's yeah. just falling on luck. Like, and another um, inequality and discrimination is people now more co- coming openly out as gay or transgender. Now, when they come out as being gay, um, that it's found, you know, shame on the family. You know, 
the traveling community and the traveling community what we would experience with those uh, individuals would be like that and um, it's a big shame in the traveling community family to be taking drugs you know you're bringing shame on the family as well there you know so these are discriminations and inequalities that they experience from their own family and i had imagine how, how that must be like yeah, and people that you've been with all your life. Yeah, and they'd be a higher group of people that would experience discrimination from the settled community as well. So they are in a particularly so difficult have, situation. So they've no yeah, yeah, and uh, these people are like, you know, they have this label attached to them, and that you know they're not this, that, and the other. You know, all those negative comments go about the traveling community, but like uh, these people are actually human beings. They actually have feelings. Yeah. They actually, you know, have motivations to do things, you know. So, again, I think the society has a huge impact of hit play in how, you know, people's perceptions and creating these, you know, um, labels and the stick. Absolutely, absolutely. And in relation to just kind of go back there to who becomes homeless, I suppose, the, the current housing crisis in Ireland has helped in some way, I suppose, to, to raise awareness of homelessness and to the, the different cohorts of people who can find themselves in homelessness. Because people who are in the private rented sector and rents are so high and maybe if the landlord decides to sell, they can't get another accommodation, they now find themselves in a homeless position. Yeah. So it's opening up the conversation, I think, which is really important that everybody is aware of homelessness. And I've always heard the phrase that we're all just three paychecks away from being homeless. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I think for me, I love about this work is not only the clients I work with, because they're amazing, funny people that are just misunderstood, you know, and quite intelligent. Um, that for me, this kind of line of work keeps me grounded, yeah. you know and makes me be grateful for what I have, for the family I have behind me and the home that I have. Makes you, makes you really grateful. It's like the, the simple things in life that I suppose most of us take for granted or most people take for granted, the roof over our heads, the family that's around us, the, the circle of support that 99.9% of us have, that you know, family, friends, acquaintances, colleagues, all those people who are there to, to call on for help. And a lot of times the homeless individual doesn't have that. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And that, that again would be, you know, a risk factor as well as not having your family behind you. Mm -hmm. Another would be is people coming out of prison as well mm -hmm. is another risk factor that we find. People coming out of prison, they've no fixed abode. So they, they go into homelessness. And prior to them going into prison, this person may have had an addiction. This is kind of a few of the patterns we would see. This person will have an addiction and uh, obviously offending behaviour. Go into prison, they've served their time, they come back out and rather than being placed in, and say this person is maybe after detox and while in prison, because some of them take the opportunity to do that because they're, they're in a contained space with the structure that allows them to do it. Yeah. These people then are discharged into homeless services. Like, that makes no sense. You're putting them back into an environment where you have chaotic people that are trying to be stabilised and you're putting someone back in who's at high risk of overdose, for one. And the, we've had, you know, that someone comes back 
from uh, prison and is referred back into us an overdose. Do you know? So like, there's there's something wrong there as well, in terms of prisoners are just you know if they don't have the family behind them, yeah, they're they're made homeless. You know, and look, I know people commit crimes and it's awful. You know what I mean? And to be a victim of a crime is even more awful. But people have to be given the opportunity to be forgiven and the opportunity to change. And if you're putting them back into a chaotic environment, what do you expect to come from that? You know, there's the receivism rate of, you know, of the circle of crime and I suppose the, the wheel of change in terms of addiction. You can apply that as well to prison. It can be applied in loads of different ways. It's a vicious cycle that seems to be very, very difficult to, to break. And the one thing that's coming across quite clear from, from what you're saying is for all the different client groups, or, um, there's a lack of support across the board and, and before they fall into homelessness and maybe when they are going back into, I suppose, for want of a better phrase, mainstream society into regular rental, private rental accommodation of that, it's a lack of support and a lack of understanding seems to be coming across quite strongly. And that's where a lot of people maybe fall back through the cracks into the system again. A lot of of supports are catered for the bigger Dublin area. Yeah. You know, in comparison to, I work in a smaller town, we cater for smaller, uh, counties, you know, and the resources that they have in Dublin, they may not have in in Loud or in Monaghan or Cavan. And not only that, if we wanted to refer someone into some services up in Dublin, you know, for treatment and different things like that, there has been blocks in the past that you had to be actually from that area. Yeah. You know, now th- those things are slowly shifting. Hopefully, you know, um, things will for me where I live and the draw had a few t- feud everyone's aware of as well you know that in terms of drugs and different things like that and people coming out of prison that there is more support put in place for those individuals that's to give them the opportunity to actually change their lives and continue in this circle yeah you know? and I suppose for all the counties in Ireland we're all aware that a lot of things centre around Dublin being the capital but yeah. for you know Kerry Wexford, Clare, Galway, Leitrim, Roscommon, all those other, every county in Ireland who aren't so close to Dublin um, and they wouldn't have the same amount of resources or investment as the services in Dublin would have and we're not having a pop at Dublin people or Dublin no, services. No, not at all. It's a hard reality for people who find themselves in any of the rural counties who don't, the counties that yeah. don't have those resources, their mm-hmm. chance of, I suppose, coming through this process successfully is limited because mm-hmm. of the lack of, of resources and the lack of services. And even if they were accepted into a, a day service in Dublin or a day treatment program in Dublin, how do they get there? Where do they stay? What what do they do? So their chances mm-hmm. are, are much more limited, I suppose, which is a, a, an inequality yeah. in itself. It's, it's a geographical yeah. inequality. Yeah, and that's it too, but like, and just to say we've had people move on and go get into treatment services in Dublin and who've done extremely well, and there's something I like to say to the clients, well, I hope you're not here next year, 
and I mean that in the nicest way possible. I mean that in a sense that I hope I never see you again on these doors, but I see you somewhere outside, you know, that kind of way. And I always think of one client I worked with a long time ago, I've never seen him again. <laughs> I'm just like, I hope I hope he's doing well, because I know I know he, that person was on treatment and they were going on then to a recovery house, you know, and, you know, and at the same time, pe- pe- people relapse as well. And in relation to, I suppose, empowering the individual and their rights and, and advocacy, how does that work for the social care worker? What does the social care worker, I suppose, need to be mindful of in relation to the person's rights and to empowering the individual to, to live the life that they want to live and advocating on behalf of the individual or supporting that individual to advocate for themselves? Is that a challenge for the social care worker? Is or any particular experiences you can bring to mind in relation to the client group? I think um, the client education piece is huge. So getting them to know about their rights, what supports are out there, what they're entitled to. So our key workers and support workers would you know, be familiar with social welfare. So they would help and assist in that social welfare forms. They would assist with getting them on the housing list. They would assist with getting them registered with a GP, assist with getting a medical card. You know, all of those, like your health needs, your housing needs, you know, your basic, you know, the way kind of, the way I look at, at Dundalk Fine, we start off in a sense as the Maslow hierarchy needs kind of thing you put it so we're here at the bottom helping with all those physiological needs yeah. and then you move on many social care students will be familiar with with maslow um, yeah. and moving up you have to obviously have the, each layer yeah and we're fortunate enough we get that through our family and we get that through the supports we have but some people like have been in care some people have had traumatic backgrounds this is where we can give them that yeah. Yes, we can give them that opportunity. And as well, like we through key work and then we can identify then what's this person's need here? Do they need help to get onto a methadone program? So for those that are familiar with a methadone program, it's a opiate substitute program for someone who is on heroin. The harm reduction method, I suppose, in that, you know, some people say, Oh, sure, you're swapping one drug for the other, but if this stabilizes the person yeah. You know, it has a knock-on effect of them not having to commit crimes to score their drugs, not, uh, you know, using needles to inject and putting themselves at risk or smoking heroin where they're putting risk at their lungs, you know, and gradually stabilising they could come down. Also, our key workers in that would help with, you know, identifying counselling support. It would be just linking them in and making them aware of what's out there that they might be aware of. Like maps as well, you know, a lot of people wouldn't be aware of, like, yeah. that are in debt. Because that's another, that's another reason we get a lot of people as well, that, that they're um, gamblers. Yes. Yeah. And that linking in with maps can help them work out a payment plan or whatever, you know. And that's hitting in on Maslow's second... Um wrong the, the health and safety needs come back to yeah. the health and safety moving on to their self-esteem and then you're going up to your safety yeah safety, safety yeah 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 so quite safe space you know where yeah. you can be not judged and you can openly talk to someone and that you know and these are all the supports you can put in and it can be frustrating you're working with someone and they have a slip and you know they don't attend that meeting and but it's very it's very important for the social care worker to not give up on these people, you know. 
Absolutely, it's, it's huge. Um, and then just in relation to the role of the social care worker, I know you've touched on it an awful lot um, across what, you, what you've been saying, and you've yeah. given some really valuable insights into what a social care worker really needs to be mindful of. Um, how would you feel the social worker can really empower this client group? Is there What, what would you say to uh, an emerging social care worker in relation to how they could go about empowering this client group? My advice would be to take all the theory seriously. As you go on through your career, you will notice, oh yeah, that applies to this, that applies to that. So you're talking about attachment. Attachment is huge. You know, 90% of people, homeless people I work with have some kind of attachment issue, an issue with the mother or an issue with the father. You know, the systems theory, how the impact of all the systems can have an effect. So there's a history of addiction, live in a socially deprived area, and how the systems impact. I would say then as well, the strengths perspective, you know, being able to pull out the strengths in this person and being able to see what their abilities are, what they're good at, and working on them, building on them to build them on. So for for me, as a social care practitioner worker, like over the years, I think the theory that I learned, you know, at the time it could be like, oh God, you know, this is heavy. But it actually very um applies like yeah. in so many ways and it, it, you won't get that until you're actually on the ground and you're working yeah one of the ones was of the theories that i quite like is bronson brenner's um and his different systems you know the, the macro system the exosystem and mm-hmm. it's how all those systems that are around the person like you know their their family their friends their school their mm-hmm. clubs, their all the different services and all yeah. the different environments that we find it in and how all of those um, people, places, systems, environments—they yeah. all interact, and they all play a huge part. So, I, I, I really like Bronson Brenner's. Yeah, and that, and that uh, Bronson Brenner as well. Like, like it's a huge one for addiction. Like that, you would be like to people, you know, you're still hanging around with those people. You're still associating in these places. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is there anything else that you feel a social care worker should know? In particular, I suppose, about your sector, which is the homeless sector. Or would you have any imparting words of wisdom for an emerging social care worker? I would say, look after yourself. This work is a very demanding job and will take a lot of you, but it is so, it is so rewarding. I absolutely love it. I couldn't see myself doing anything else. Um, well, like, I probably could, but like, <laughs> I'm not going to sugarcoat it here. It's a tough job, but it's you get if you have a good team behind you, and um, you know, and you have to have a sense of a bit of a dark humor as well around this to keep you going. And um, but don't give up, keep going. And if it's not for you. You know, maybe there's a different factory you can go into. That's the good thing about social care that I like, is that it's broad. So if you don't like elderly, you might like disability. If you don't like disability, you might like homelessness. If you don't like homelessness, you might like um, addiction. If you don't like addiction, you might like child protection. You know, so there's a reason people are drawn into this uh, profession. And it's usually because you want to do good and, and help. It might not be homelessness. It could be something else. But please consider it because it's an amazing uh, occupation to winter. It is. It's one of the most rewarding ones, I think. And like you say, it's so varied. So you could be working with children at risk this year. Next year, you could be working in the homeless sector. The following year, yeah. you could be working with people to yeah. 
it's so broad and it's so varied. It's, it's really what, Sorry for calling you just the, the, what I would suggest as well and recommend, try and get a feel for all areas. I've worked in all of them over the 10 years. I've had a taste of them all and I know what I like and what I don't like. And that's fine. And you think, oh, because you're a social care worker, you, you can't not like things. You have to like everyone and you want to save everyone. But the reality is, you know, there's just things you won't like and that's fine. But don't just hone in on one area. Try a few. You know, and just give yourself that opportunity. Step out of your box. You know, step out of your safety zone and try something new as well. I don't think that's the good thing about the the social care degree courses are there. You you have to do a placement in second year and you have yeah. to do at least two different placements. And it's really good to get a feel of it. Like I worked yeah. in a in a special school. I worked in addiction services. I worked yeah. with the elderly and I worked in disability services. Yeah. And it's it's all it's and each even though each comes under the umbrella of social care, they're all so so different. It's such yeah. different careers. Yeah. Yeah, using your placements, I suppose, is a is a good opportunity to get that flavour in a yeah. safe environment. And another thing, don't be afraid to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. The thing about mistakes is there's learning from them, and that's the key. You take the learning from it and you apply it in the next scenario. No one's perfect. This is uh, this job is a constant learning thing. So any of the students that come in to us in the dog Simon or any of uh, the new staff, I'm like great fresh set of eyes you could have a different way of thinking and looking at things and for me then i could be like which i love i love seeing the young people come in because it may, keeps me young as well but i'd be like yeah no i never thought of it that way you know no one's an expert in this you know yeah. and i think it's fresh ideas that that, that students bring is and is but to not be afraid to make mistakes Thank you.